In 2020, Kingsley Coman's header defeated his old club PSG and won the Champions League for Bayern. In 2021, Kai Havertz struck the only goal of the game to make Chelsea champions of Europe at Manchester City's expense. This week, both Bayern and Chelsea are in serious danger of crashing out of the tournament. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. There's no serious danger of us not having a top-tipping team for this week. Mark O'Hare has been dusting off the 26 TV screens that he has in the Bet Cave. Uh, Mark, let's kick off with Bayern's clash with Villarreal. This is a really interesting one because Bayern were awful last week in Spain. Villarreal made lots of chances. If they'd won 3-0, I don't think Bayern could have complained. No, not at all. Um, I thought the game was was scary, similar to what happened against Salzburg in the first leg. Um, I mean, the parallels between the two the two matches I thought were, were kind of uncanny, really. Um, you know, Bayern did have a lot of possession, a lot of territory, and a lot of shots against Villarreal, but very disappointed with their sort of creativity and their invention and, and their guile and the way in which they went about their business. And you have to give full credit to, to Villarreal for that because Bayern's first shot on target came in the second half and. I know Muller missed that obvious sitter where he missed uh, the connection, but um, largely Villarreal kind of restricted them to, to very few kind of clear cut opportunities, if any, really. And you look at the XG for the match, and Bayern created, you know, next to nothing really compared to the number of shots that they actually had at goal. So, yeah, a lot of low quality efforts, and Emery again deserves massive praise for setting his team up in a in a position in which they can hopefully try and progress now. Um, certainly, he'll he'll hopes to anyway. But uh, yeah, they had that goal ruled out. Moreno hit the post as well. They had, you know. Great. We talked about it before the first leg. Actually, he's not he's not an overly defensive or cautious coach. Really, he he just likes to find a, a balance between defence and attack. And I think they showed that. And Albiolo, Pau Torres were terrific at the back. Etienne Capu was excellent in midfield and up front. You've got a, a real menace in there in, in Moreno and also Dan Juma's pace too. So, yeah, clearly now the the task for Villarreal is going to be. To, to not allow what happened to Salzburg to, to happen in Munich. And I do expect them to put up a, a much sterner resistance in that sense. That defensively, they are much more capable and they are much more kind of accustomed to, to playing that defensive role when needs be. Um, and Salzburg just, just collapsed really after the early flurry. So I don't expect that to happen to, to Villarreal. And immediately I was drawn towards the, the Asian handicap. You can get a plus two start on Villarreal, which I thought was was very kind and generous. Um, has been kind of clipped in now. It's going down to sort of low 1.7s. Um, you need Bayern to win by three or more goals to see that bet lose, and, and that's a really hefty ho- hurdle to kind of overcome. And yeah, Villarreal pretty much changed their whole team on Saturday uh, against Athletic with this match in mind. They're putting everything into this match. Um, they're not a team that are often kind of put to the sword. Uh, Emery teams rarely kind of collapse or or are thrashed either. So uh, I can think they can sort of dig in and make this difficult for, for Bayern. Um, and you have to question that Bayern defence. We've said it over and over again, and we saw it in the first leg too. So, you know, you wouldn't put Villarreal off scoring here. But um, yeah, if they do score, Bayern require four to see that Asian handicap bet lose. And, and that is quite appealing. But um, ultimately, I, I might regret this, but I've actually gone down the both teams to score route because it's a bigger price. It's trading at just shy of, of 1.9. It's 1.88. And 
I think we're getting a bigger price and it also doesn't really matter then if it's a if it's a consolation goal, if they score early on and then collapse or whatever happens, you know, Bayern could easily, you know, conceivably run up a cricket score. They they're that good if they want to be. But um yeah, I mean it's they've kept four clean sheets and fifteen this calendar year. They've seen ten BTTS winners in fifteen as well. So we always expect Bayern to score, particularly in Munich, and you would expect them to, to get back into this tie at some point. So um I just chose the bigger price out of the two, but I think both bets are, are real runners here. I got excited then because my headline bet for my uh, betting.betfair.com preview of this game is uh, the plus two start on the Asian handicap uh, for Villarreal. I I totally agree with you, Mark. I can see Villarreal scoring and then suddenly, you know, for you to lose, you'd need buying to get four. Trader and betting expert Emmett O'Keefe is with us. Don't let his self-deprecating Twitter handle woeful punditry fool you. He knows his stuff. Uh, Emmett... Villarreal's to qualify price is pretty chunky, around about 3.5 the last time I looked. It's interesting. It's almost like the yeah, as as Mark said, the kind of the the first leg of this game was was kind of a was like a repeat of the Salzburg leg, with the kind of the markets kind of expecting the second leg nearly nearly to be a repeat as well. Yeah, just one thing I, I really took from the Villarreal game is obvious statement here, but how much of a difference that Jared Moreno actually makes that team. Like if you're playing yeah. it's a playing you're playing it's a very good team on the counter attack. Having a guy, if you can play the ball, if you're playing diagonals, playing long balls, who can turn the 50-50s into his own ball and has the ability to put someone like Dan Juma away. I think that's like is it a, a bit a bit a bit, a bit like a bit of kind of Harry Kane you see with Son Hyung Min, that kind of dynamic. And I I think that kind of really impressed me. I'd kind of I'd echo everything Mark said. I think that the great thing about the both teams to score bet is just that you can win in any with any game script here. I think I think while it's while it's nil all, um, or but it's yeah if, if it's kind of if if it's nil all after sixty minutes, Bayern will Bayern will have to push forward, then leaving opportunities for Villarreal to score, and then exactly and then if if uh, if but if Bayern it is a repeat of Salzburg and Bayern are three or four up after 60 minutes, then they're going to be a bit defensively loose anyway. And then and then, and then you, have, you have a chance for that, for that bet to click. So I think that, that, that seems like the most sensible bet. I couldn't recommend uh, Bayern and how short the, shorter price they are. They just, it's getting late in the season now. And we're like, I think they're, all signs point to this the Bayern are a very good team, but they're not elite an elite team on the level of the the Man City Liverpool class. So I think the I I, I, I would I wouldn't say Villarreal are a are a forlorn forlorn hope by any means. The dashing dawn of data, Jake Oskarthorpe is with us from Infogol. Jake, Bayern are clearly the best team in Germany this season. The numbers, I guess, will tell you that. But RB Leipzig are getting close since Domenico Tedesco took over. But it doesn't feel like a Bayern team that's really at peace with itself right now. They've had a lot of players who've missed big chunks of the season with either injury or illness. Alfonso Davies has only just come back. Leon Goretzka has only just come back. Joshua Kimmich was hit really hard by COVID-19. And all of the pieces don't quite fit together at the moment. It does seem that way, yeah. Um, you, you, you know, you made the valid point there that they are streets clear in the Bundesliga and will probably most likely sort of stroll towards another title. But against, um, you know, in Europe, they, they have been tested at times. You know, the, the Salzburg Gate away leg, for example, I thought they were unlucky not to win that, really. They created enough chances um, in the second half to come away with a 2 1 win. But Really concerning performance in that first leg against Villarreal. Just the the sort of lack of big chances that were created. I think at half time they'd had about eight or nine shots, but they'd all come from distance. And that's the kind of thing that Unai Emery is just smirking about. He loves that because that means yeah. that he's got his his boys ten behind the ball um, and literally just limiting Bayern to pop shots, which 
you know, they, they have a chance of scoring them, obviously, but you're talking two and three percent, depending on distance and angle. So um, I, I'm not expecting anything different in this second leg uh, from Villarreal. I think they'll be sat deep. They'll be playing, um, you know, maybe not as deep as their 18 yard line, but they'll be in and around it because I think that the, the yeah the impetus is on Bayern to actually press on and, and really create chances. And Villarreal, will, I think, will be happy to just let them do that. And just what was interesting against Juve, Jake, because they were obviously won three 0 in Turin against Juventus, and they gave up some big chances in the first half of that game. But I thought what was really interesting was that they were quite happy to have possession. But not even just deep. They were quite happy to have possession in the Juve half and try and tease out that mistake. Do you think they might play a little bit higher, having succeeded in that way in Turin? No, I, I don't think so. No, I, I think Bayern are a different animal to Juventus. Like I don't think any team really in the Champions League would have been scared of that of playing high against that Juventus team because they're just not very good, in my opinion, or not not good enough to to really concern you. But you've got Bayern, you've got the likes of Lewandowski who can similar to what Emmett was saying about Jared Moreno, he can drop in and play the Kane kind of role and, and play provider, as well as obviously being a threat in behind with Kingsley Coma and Sane, Gnabry, whoever plays. I, I don't think that Villarreal will play high up and, and risk that easy sort of route, one ball over the top, turn the defence, especially with the likes of Pau Torres and Raul Albiol. They're not exactly the quickest at covering, aren't they? So they're, they're, to me, they're defenders that are well suited to playing in a deep line block and putting the bodies on the line stopping um, crosses coming in, clearing the air, winning the aerial duels. Um, and for me, I, I, I just, I was very tempted with the under two and a half goal line. So I don't see it being a, t- a very high scoring game this for some reason. I, I agree with Mark. My initial bet was to look at Villarreal plus two on the, uh, on, on the Asian handicap. But I thought that if Villarreal are to win with that handicap start, it will probably be a low scoring game. Um, I can't see it being, uh, you know, maybe a 3-1 a or a 3-2. That sees a push or money back in that in that regards. I could more more likely see it being maybe a two one or a one nil buy in, and it goes to extra time. Um, so I was looking at under three and a half goals, at one point eight seven, which obviously would would bring the both teams to score into play. It would bring the Villarreal plus two Asian handicap into play. Um, but I can't. I just thought that the price was was a little bit too big for um, four goals or more, given what I expect to see from Emirates Villarreal. Because in my opinion, they're going to sit back and, and they are going to try and play on that counter attack and. You know, Bayern, as the lads have already said, do look very vulnerable defensively. And, and with the impetus on them to actually attack and score goals, they will likely give chances to Villarreal. And, um, and, and I think that that's, um, that that's going to be the dynamic of the, t- of the second leg, really. It's going to be Villarreal sort of camping like they did towards the, 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 the latter half an hour in that first leg, just sort of sitting deep and, and seeing what opportunities they can get and just trying to limit Bayern Munich to sort of low probability chances, which is easier to do when you are sat in a deeper block. Real Madrid lead 3-1 from the first leg of their tie with Chelsea after Karim Benzema scored his second successive hat-trick in the competition. Emmett, do you give Chelsea any hope of turning this around? Real Madrid are a strange team, aren't they? Because they're miles clear at the top of La Liga. They knocked out Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. And you look at them and think, I don't know how good they are. They're a really strange team. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think before... Before the first leg of this tie, I think, I think all, all of us on the, on the podcast were thinking of kind of roughly of the similar opinion that Real were the inferior side of the majority of the tie against PSG, and that that and, and that like and that Chelsea had hammered them last season in in in, in, in the knockout stages, and we might see a repeat. 
I'm probably I'm not going to let that opinion be changed just by the first legs. I think there were there were some unsustainable elements. Obviously, the goals from Benzema were absolutely incredible. It's the first thing to say. But in the second half of that game, Real Madrid had one shot, like one shot in that whole second half. Like Chelsea actually controlled that second half with their press really, really well. And the only shot they had was the was was the goal that Mendy gifted uh, gifted Real. You could say maybe Real are happy with the three one and they're sitting back. Well, I'm not. I wouldn't be quite of that same opinion. I think. I think Chelsea are a better team than Real Madrid. I think I think, I think that first leg was there was some unsustainable elements to it. I think Chelsea, at their best, can can control Real's midfield with their press, given their greater athleticism. I think at the way we again, Chelsea probably stumbled into their best forward line. I think like with Lukaku out, um, like if you look at last last year when they got to Champions League gl- glory, for all his faults, Werner was a good focal point for them. It's a terrible thing to say, but he was like he was like a souped up Shane Long. Where he he would, he, would, he he would miss he would miss a load of chances, but his work rate was exceptional, and he would at least stretch. Sorry, sorry, Timo, but he would he he would stretch the pitch really really well. And again, like the weekend looked like another chapter in the tragic comedy that's been his Chelsea career. He hit like he hit hit the bar or twice, bar twice missed sitters for fun. But he did score twice, so he must be feeling good coming into this game. But so if if, if I was I wouldn't put anyone off. But despite what Tuchel said after the match, I think Chelsea have a legitimate chance of qualifying here. But the way I'd probably look to back Chelsea would be Chelsea first half at around nine to four, five to two. Because if you're just if you're backing Chelsea to win the match at just under two to one, if it's a situation where Chelsea are are one up after eighty minutes, we'll say, uh, but they'll 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 obviously push that they'll have to push the second goal, so that leaves you vulnerable in the counter tracking, and then you lose your bet. So I think if Chelsea are, are legitimately going to have a chance of qualifying, they're probably going to have to be ahead at half time. So, so I think Chelsea can make us make a serious game of this tie, and I'd back them to win the first half. Trying to work out who should be more annoyed, Shane Long or Timo Werner. I'll have a think about that one. Uh, Jake, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we know Chelsea are a good side. The European champions are the world champions, whatever you think that uh, is worth. And they haven't always shown it. And we're so used to them being defensively solid. That certainly wasn't the case last week. It it wasn't, no. uh, Like Emmett said, there was sort of fell foul to some really, really clinical finishing from um, probably the hottest striker in the in the world currently, Karim Benzema. He's playing at an incredible level. His headers were just unbelievable in that first half. You know, both of them, just slightly different types of headers, were just fantastic. And that's the kind of thing that you can't account for when it comes to, you know, measuring teams uh, in terms of how good they are and ultimately pricing up markets and, and making bets because... Is he souped up Niall Quinn, Jake? <laughs> I, I won't quite go that far. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a much better now, Quinn, uh, if you want a comparison to Shane Long. Um, but yeah, you've got your show tile right there, haven't you? It's a souped-up Shane Long. That was brilliant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the, the game state here is, is a really interesting one because Chelsea, they have to go on the front foot. And, and I think Real Madrid are probably at their best when they are playing quick um, quick passes through the lines with the likes of Modric and Cruz and you've got Vinicius running in behind and Benzema obviously being able to link things up. I think it's a really awkward situation for Chelsea to find themselves in, really. Um, I haven't really got a, too much of an opinion in terms of who's going to qual- who I think will qualify. Real Madrid obviously in a great position to sort of press that advantage home and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them win the second leg as well. But I just looked at Benzema's price to score in this game. It just looks too big. It's around 2.5 to score any time um, on the Betfair exchange. And, you know, this is a guy who's got 11 Champions League goals this season. Um, granted, those 11 goals have come from 5.3 expected goals. So he's had a massive overperformance based on his, um, uh, the chances that he's had. But 
when you look at his XG per 95 of 0.69, that shows that he does get on the end of at least two big chances per game. So Real Madrid are creating really good chances for him on a regular basis, and he is really taking advantage of, of, of all of that. And, you know, it's not just the Champions League, because in the Liga, he's, he's been in frightening form as well. 24 goals from 21.2 XG, uh, an XG per 95 of 0.86. So, you know, he's getting on consistently, no matter what the competition is. Real Madrid is supplying him with good enough chances to be able to, you know, score at least once a game. And that's ultimately what he's been doing. And I just thought that he was, you know, absolute menace to that Chelsea back line in that, in that first half, uh, in that first leg. Just caused him so many issues on the ball, off the ball. Um, I thought the way in which he held the ball up at times was fantastic. Obviously, we've seen that his finishing is just incredible. Um, and his XG per night five rate suggests that in this game, he will get a couple of chances. And, and you know, the form that he's in currently it's highly likely he will take at least one of those chances. So the 2.5 for him to score in time just looked too big to me. Mark, Vinicius Junior has been really big for Real Madrid as well. And they have so much experience in that team. It was notable, I thought, in the second leg against Paris. Towards the end, Luka Modric really went into overdrive and started to control the game and really make a difference. They do have guys that can plot their way through a two-legged tie. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think I said it on on the Thursday pod um, that I was, yeah, I've had to sort of revisit my opinion on Real Madrid. Uh, I know you don't want to sort of re- overreact to just one game, but I was of the opinion that Real Madrid would not be winning the Champions League this year. And I still believe it's a big, big ask for them to do so. But, you know, it did, you know, it was a timely reminder of just what they actually are capable of. And you've got a player like Benzema in that kind of form, putting away those kind of chances. Uh, just a million miles away from the first leg effort we saw against PSG and all, also the second leg for, for 45 minutes too. And I think tactically Ancelotti got it spot on by fielding Valverde, uh, played more of a 4-4-2 really or, or had him tucked in on the right with Vinicius playing on the break and Benzema linking things. I think it worked brilliantly defensively as well. I thought they looked strong and stable. Uh, I know Ferland Mendy is is a doubt for this match, but uh, I think Nacho is more than a capable replacement there. Or you can always put Alaba down there as well and, and put Nacho at centre-half. So they've got options there. But as you say, they've got that sprinkling of class, that experience too. And Modric, I just can't believe he's, he's what, 36 now. Um, the way he's playing at the moment is, you know, belies that age. But uh, yeah, I'm very disappointed with Chelsea. And I think that's... I'm still struggling to kind of work them out and see where they actually are right now because I thought the team selection was odd um, last week and now they've got uh, no Azpilicueta um, through COVID. Um, so they're going to have to a bit of a, a reshuffle defensively, uh, whether it's a back four, back five. You know, there's questions to be answered there and also kind of key players in forward areas who haven't been kind of hitting their straps recently. And what was most disappointing, I thought, was just the lack of ideas and invention in that midfield. And I think they really struggled to break Real Madrid down. So... I think you need a, a Rich James at uh, 100%. I don't think he was last week. Didn't uh, start at the weekend. So hopefully he'll be fitter and more ready for the opportunity. But uh, yeah, it's a big ask for Chelsea. And you know, chasing a two-goal advantage, you are going to have to go on the front foot, sustained front foot for, for quite some time, actually. And I think that does open up opportunities for Madrid. Uh, as Jake said, uh, whether it's Vinicius' pace, he gave Christensen a, a torrid time in that first leg, or Benzema's quality to do some damage too. So, um, yeah, both teams to score was kind of top of my top of my list here, but it, it's quite shy. It's quite short. It's one point seven two ish. So, uh, I was a little bit put off by that. So I thought Chelsea double chance and both teams to score was two point three, uh, which was a bit more appealing to me. I don't see Chelsea losing quite often. Um, I'm always kind of put off teams who don't need to win a second leg tie, particularly with a two goal lead. Um, there's no sort of massive incentive for them to go and get that job done. They just need to see the game out 
as well as they possibly can. And I think Chelsea will keep pushing uh, until the 90th minute, but there will be opportunities for Madrid in those transitions and counter-attacks. So, yeah, I can see both teams scoring, but I don't think Chelsea uh, will go out uh, with a second defeat in two. So, uh, but also like Jake, shout there of Benzema to score. I think that's a really nice price. Well, if you are going to follow Mark in there, it's worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Bet Builder and Ackers offer is running every day. Bet £10 on Ackers or Bet Builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply. To Wednesday, then, and Atletico Madrid trail 1 0 as they face Manchester City in the second leg of their tie in the Spanish capital. Jake City put a huge amount of effort into Sunday's 2-2 draw with Liverpool. They've got Liverpool again at the weekend in the FA Cup semi-finals, so it's an intense time for them. Atletico lost 1-0 at Mallorca at the weekend, and they were dreadful. Absolutely dreadful, yeah. They uh, they followed up the game against Manchester City, in which they had zero shots and zero XG, by visiting Mallorca and racking up 0.6 XG. So, Really not a good time to be following Atletico Madrid, particularly from an attacking standpoint. And yeah, I'd, I think it's very much a rinse and repeat job um, from the first leg, really, because both teams to score no is currently available at even money on the exchange. That was the first thing that caught my eye because ultimately, you know, you're right to point out that City had a taxing game against Liverpool. They have another one coming up, but. We know that the squad depth City have is just phenomenal. Um, and I am expecting some rotation. Obviously, City and Pep aren't in the, the sort of more comfortable position as Liverpool with a two-goal lead. It's just a one-goal, but um, I, I am expecting them to sort of at least at least rest half the team that played against Liverpool ahead of the weekend. Um, and and even so, that that is going to be really really it's going to be a strong enough team to go to Atletico and really cause issues. And just for context from a Champions League uh, XG standpoint. Atletico Madrid in four Champions League games at home have averaged just 1.15 expected goals for per game, which is a really, really poor and disappointing total. Um, and City away from home allowed just 0.67 expected goals against per Champions League game, which is a staggering number. And it just kind of tells you the story that we're going to get. Uh, you know, the onus is going to be on Atletico Madrid to sort of try and attack. But from what we've seen based on the underlying numbers of both teams, Atletico Madrid, when they throw their best punch, it's not very good. And Manchester City are very good uh, at, at limiting their opponents when it comes to chances. So um, both teams score no was the was a shorter price pick at even money. I also just like Manchester City to win to nil in this second leg, um, which is also which is about nine to five, two point eight. Um, yeah, there, there's a massive gulf between these teams, and the pattern of play in the first leg I don't think will be any different. Um, uh, will witness any different in the second leg in terms of City dominating the ball and territory making it almost like a, um, a half-court game as you get in basketball, just playing in half of, in half the pitch, which is ultimately when they're at the best because it, it, you know, it means that the intricate passes um, between De Bruyne and uh, you know, the likes of Grealish will probably start. Else, Maybe a side bet, whoever. If Grealish does start, whoever's playing right back for Atletico Madrid to be yellow-carded uh, after what happened the, at the end of the first leg. Um, but yeah, I, I just I can't see Atletico causing too many issues, so I'm just going to be opposing them to score really uh, with a both team to score no and the City win to nil. The defenders might be nice to Grealish, though they might want some Gucci merch, so they <laughs> might be uh, you know qu- quite kind to him. Uh, Mark, Atletico actually did all right for most of that game against City. It was only when Phil Foden came on and just added that little bit of stardust that it opened that game up. 
Are we going to see the same again? Are Atleti just going to kick City for 70 minutes, <laughs> hope it's still nil-nil, and then go for it in the last 20? Yeah, I'm kind of caught between two two opinions here. Um, I think they probably will take that approach again because I, I think I said before that the first leg that I think Simeone would take a, a one nil defeat as a as a positive result and bring it back to Madrid. And the first leg I thought went pretty much to expectations. Atleti were quite happy to batten down the hatches, defend deep, and just frustrate Man City. And I thought they did that very well. Uh, provided a few sort of moments in transition, but City mopped up that danger pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I mean, Atleti didn't allow. City that opportunity to create clear-cut opportunities and I think you can see that in the expected goals figure where City I don't think they even mustered a, a 1.0 figure overall for the XG output for that match and you know credit to Atleti for doing that even if they didn't offer a huge amount going forward um, clearly Simeone had the two legs in mind but uh, you know City controlled the tie and, and I think from Pep's point of view uh, probably the first leg went to, to plan as well in that in that regard. So I think both coaches probably would have been quite pleased. I think watching that first leg, I was getting impatient that, that Foden wasn't on the field. Uh, eventually, when he did come on, it was a the contribution was excellent and outstanding. And I think that's the the difference between the two teams. The sort of game changers that City can bring off the bench. I know Atleti have got a, a strong squad, but uh, you know it's difficult to defend that kind of ability for for ninety minutes or, or possibly one hundred and twenty if it goes the difference. But um, yeah, I mean, the sort of two opinions I have here are, do Atleti now kind of show the same sort of side as we saw in the first leg and, and kind of try and just play their way into the tie uh, and offer a bit more in the final third late on? Or alternatively, uh, I think Simeone and they are, are a little bit too smart to allow this to, to allow themselves to be caught open or overcommitting early on. But I think in recent years, we've seen Atletico at home in a big Champions League tie, the crowd kind of produce a hurricane of noise, the physicality, the intimidation, you know, they're all at sky high figures and, and they really sort of go for people early on and kind of put teams under pressure. And I, I wouldn't be too surprised if the, the sort of first 15, 20 minutes was a bit of a whirlwind for City uh, with Atleti kind of swarming all over them. Um, so yeah, difficult to know which kind of approach they will take because there is always that opportunity for City to, to sort of break and really hurt them. But uh, as we know, you know, they had a very taxing game on Sunday against Liverpool. Um, and yeah, you know, I think they really showed up in that match and probably showed why they are rated as the, the best club team in the world right now. But yeah, just fascinating to see how this one plays out. Clash of styles. Don't have a huge opinion on the betting and the markets, but I did think that the 15 to 8, uh, 2.88 uh, on the sportsbook for under 0.5 first half goals uh, was quite interesting. Um, I think Atletico would be quite happy to kind of just see this game through uh, to half time and then sort of try and make their challenge thereafter. But yeah, I think uh, an early card for Atletico, particularly as Jake says, if, if Grealish is playing, could be on the cards too. Yeah, there could be violence on show. Emis, how do you see this one? Yeah, similar to the lads. I think it's kind of, uh, I think Diego Simeone, I think like all of us, knows realistically if it stays 11 for 11 for 90 minutes. I don't think it'll have much of a chance. And I think I think we'll see a, a very, sorry, a very, very similar approach to what they showed with Grealish. Like for those who missed, that, missed the end of that game, Angle Correa kicked the ball at Grealish's head on the ground. Like Versalco was pulling his hair. It was like schoolyard bullying type stuff. <laughs> and I, I, would, I would expect... I'd expect something similar. I uh, yeah, like 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 Mark said, it is really intriguing to see the approach that Atletico take here because I think if like last week I, 
I was right in terms of saying City to win stuff, but I was very wrong in terms of how the shed, in terms of the shape shape of the game would go. I thought City had ripped them to shreds, but that wasn't the case at all. Atletico with their two banks of five, like City didn't have their first shot on target until the fifty fifth minute. Like at, at home, that is unheard of. Two shots on target in the whole game for City again, pretty unheard of. And again, on, as as the lads were saying, it was only when Phil, Phil Foden came on that City City started to look, look, look really look dangerous. Um, so it just it, it really does depend. A Letico approach, but ultimately the bet I the bet I would come down on is City to win to nil as well. Like it, because if and I, I think ultimately I, I think I think you have to say that Stones and Laporte have done a really good job since Diaz went in. We haven't seen the City defense look very very vulnerable, and I, and I just don't think apart from Yao I don't think Letico really have the weapons to trouble them. And as Marks, I think the likelihood is we see a, a, a rerun of last week. Where Atletico try and sit in, sit in, maybe do a bit more press to get the city kickouts, but I don't think, I don't think Jan Oblak's going to be start looking for fifteen yard kickouts. I think that's going to happen. I think they'll, they'll have a similar approach to last weekend. I think it might, it might be nil all for maybe fifty or sixty minutes um, before, but before maybe City nick a goal or two. Uh, I think yeah, but I just again echo the lads, the lads said about Grealish. I think I'd, if Grealish were to start, or if he does come on, it's might be worth looking at like a single game multi type thing where you back Grealish to be carded and whoever's marking to be carded. Because I think there's a good Grealish. The reason they're doing that, the reason that they're trying to wind up Grealish because they know he'll probably react. And so I think, I think that that's I think that's uh, that would be a bit of that be a reasonable approach to take as well. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. If you get a chance, by the way, check out those Mallorca Atletico highlights from the weekend. They are hilarious because that nothing happened in the game apart from the goal. So the worst quality chances uh, packed in to those highlights. Uh, finally, Liverpool look to wrap up their place in the final four as they look to defend a 3-1 first leg lead against Benfica. Mark, funny game last week in Lisbon because Liverpool could have run away with it in the first half. Odysseus Vlacodimos, excellent in goal for Benfica in the game. But Liverpool did have a wobble in that second half. Yeah, they did. Um, I think from a Benfica perspective, there was plenty of positives from that match. I mean, disappointment to concede the first goal from a set piece. Uh, from their perspective, and, and you know they they were kind of second best, quite largely second best in that first half. But they really rallied in that second half, put them under pressure, um, and particularly uh, whether it was complacency from Liverpool with Man City in mind and thinking the game was was done and dusted, it's difficult to know. But they definitely put them under pressure and deserved the goal. I know it came through a mistake from Canate, who had a a really difficult night uh, defending against Darwin Nunes, and no, not many people do enjoy their experience defending against Darwin Nunes. But um, I think there were positives from a Benfica perspective. They did tire later on, and, and Liverpool subs. We've talked about it throughout the competition. When you're able to make five subs to the standard of Liverpool's, they do make a difference. But you know, I, I, the tie is over. Let's let's be fair about it. It's, it's going back to Anfield, but this is still a massive match for Benfica, and you know. I don't want to be disrespectful because they've got a, a wonderful history behind them. But in today's age, in 2022, a Champions League quarterfinal, uh, it's a big deal for Benfica. And there's not a left, lot left on their sort of plate domestically. So I expect them to be highly motivated and, and really sort of want to go make a, a splash for themselves here. So Liverpool, we know we've got that game against City to come again this weekend. There will be resting and rotation going on there. So, yeah, I think there's an opportunity for Benfica to make this match and tie competitive. Um, they're not far off a, a plus two 
handicap again here at a backable price, which would have me interested if it was a little bit bigger, just because Liverpool will have their eyes elsewhere and I think they'll do enough to win the game, but whether they'll do it comfortably or not, I'm not sure. But um, if you if that's not appealing, I did think Darwin Nunes at 3-1 to one to score any time was, was absolutely fine. Scored in the, the first leg, scored in Amsterdam against Ajax in the last round, scored in his last four now. Uh, and this, like Benfica, it's a big, big stage for him. There's a, a lot of interest in his services um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of bids going in during the summer. Uh, like many Benfica players, it's an opportunity for them to impress on the big stage and enhance reputations. Um, I don't expect Van Dijk and Matip to play at centre-half. I think there'll be at least one change there. And, you know, I think he can bully a, a Gomez or a Canate or whoever might fill in there alongside Van Dijk or Matip. So uh, I think 3-1 to one is, is fair enough for a team who will be looking to, to sign off in style. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting about Benfica, isn't it? Because you look at their form in the Primera League, or it's not been that great this season, but you actually realise when they play in the Champions League, you realise how much they've underperformed domestically because it feels like it's that way round. Actually, this is a team that should be far more competitive with the likes of Porto and Sporting in their own country. Absolutely, and as well, unlike probably, it's not often you see probably Portuguese teams investing in kind of Older, I can't imagine Nicolas Otamendi and Jan Vertonghen are on small salaries, which again, which, which probably says that the Benfica management expected this team to be kind of a, a title-winning level team, and that's that's what those players were bought for. So I would definitely agree they have been, they have definitely outperformed their league position in, in, in the Champions League ties we've seen this season. Yeah, like I, in terms of bet for this game, I think it's yeah, I've no, I've no, I've no real strong, strong lean. I think. To what I just copy one of the, the kind of tips that's been mentioned on previous podcasts. There's a, there's a decent chance I think Trent Alexander Arnold might get a rest given he was out with a hamstring injury in the last few weeks. So if Joe Gomez played right back, he might get, maybe worth looking at some of the some of the big prices on an assist for him. And the other one I thought maybe again, this is something that Mark has mentioned. I think Mark mentioned for the inter inter time was 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 kind of in, kind of looking at undercards for Liverpool. I think like in the Inter Milan second leg. Obviously, an inter score and it turned into a very, very competitive tie. But I think the chances are this won't be like that. This will be kind of a maybe a 2 1 Liverpool. Again, it kind of fizzles out. And as usual, Liverpool are kind of close to the bottom of the, the, the disciplinary stats. So I think if you can get maybe under 0 0.5 Liverpool cards at around 2 to 1, I'd include that in the bet builder if you're doing it that night. But no real strong opinion on the game. Uh, some interesting angles there. Jake, what do you think about this one? If Benfica were to score first, would that make Liverpool a bit nervous or would it just poke the bear? Uh, the latter, yeah. It would just, just wake <laughs> them up a little bit. Um, I think that, yeah, as we've discussed many times in recent months, Liverpool's squad is just remarkable right now. And they're in a position where they're, you know, they've got a two-goal lead. They're at home for this second leg. So everything's stacked in their favour. And, you know, they probably have got one eye on the FA Cup semi-final. So I'm expecting quite a lot of rotation from Jurgen Klopp's team but I don't think it will make a, too much of a difference to the overall uh, outcome of the game because of the, the sort of de depth that they have you know you're going to see the likes of Naby Keita come in Firmino might get a start Luis Diaz will probably start um, you know Simicas if he wants to rest Robertson I think he's been great whenever he's played um, you've got Canate you've got Gomez if you want you know the, the list goes on uh, Curtis Jones Harvey Elliott etc so I don't think that's going to make a difference to the overall tie. Uh, but I do think we have potential opportunity to back a goal scorer for Liverpool. And, you know, we are taking a chance that he is going to play. Uh, but that's Luis Diaz, who is around 13 to 10 on the sports book to score any time. And, you know, you're looking at the at the odds on the sports book to score. And you've got Mohamed Salah at 8 to 13, Divock Origi 8 to 11, Sadio Mane 5 to 6, Minamino even money. 
you've got to get right down to the seven four eight um, in terms of odds for Luis Diaz. And I think that what we've seen from that's beyond from, belief. Sorry, so he's bigger than Minamino and Origi to score. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of that is due to people maybe thinking that he won't play. But I, I think when you've got a front five, effectively, um, you want to keep him fresh and. Diaz came on for 10, 15 minutes in the, at the weekend and didn't really have too much of an impact because the game was sort of fizzled out. Um, yeah, I, I fully expect him to play in, in this game. And, and, you know, he he was he came on as a, as a sub in the first leg against Inter. He played the entire second leg um, when they were already 2-0 up. Uh, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see something similar this time around. And, you know, it's only a small sample size, but since he joined Liverpool in the Champions League, he's, he's been on the end of 1.55 expected goals. That's coming 151 minutes. So... If you work out his XG per 95, it's around 0.98. So basically what I'm saying is whenever he's on the pitch, he gets chances. Yeah, um, yeah. And that doesn't come as a surprise really in, in a Liverpool team that are averaging over 2.3 expected goals for per Champions League game. So yeah, it, 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 again, we are relying on Klopp starting Diaz, but if he does start, then I imagine that the, the 13 to 10 that is currently available won't be there. Um, come kickoff, so it might be one to get on. I, I believe that on the Betfair Sportsbook you can back him to score and you can cash out. Um, you know, if if he doesn't start, you know, I don't think you make a loss on that. I could be wrong there, but um, also you, you might be able to make a profit because if the price shortens quite drastically, the cash out could increase depending on. Um, Emmett's nodding and shaking his head. I'm not quite sure. Do you want to clarify? Tell him, is he right? Is he wrong? Uh, he's right in terms of the cash out, but it kind of, um, I'm kind of shaking my head at kind of uh, Jake's underhand strategies, looking to back mo- movers and then cashing out. He wouldn't be encouraged with that sort of behavior. Like, but but, uh, I, I, but I, I respect the strategy, though. Yeah, no, no. I, I, if, if he starts, I definitely would, wouldn't cash out the bet. But um, if, he, if he is on the bench, I would be tempted because there's every chance that Liverpool take a 2 0 lead with the likes of Origi Minamino playing. And then. Klopp isn't really going to bring Diaz on and risk him getting an injury ahead of what is a really important run-in. So, um, yeah, I just thought that the price, I think uh, you sounded surprised as well, Kev, that 13 to 10 available for Diaz. Yeah, uh, I just thought it was, too big. it was too big. And uh, episode one of Jake Oscarthorpe's Sneaky Strategies uh, starts next week. That's going to be a new part of the Betfair Network. But as for this show, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly, whether you're being sneaky or otherwise. Uh, Every single Champions League and Europa League game gets its own dedicated preview on betting.betfair.com. And there's great coverage of racing, golf, a host of other sports, politics as well. From Emmett, from Mark, from Jake and from me. It's goodbye for now.